Well, good morning once again, friends. Good to see all of you. Uh, we had a great day yesterday at the community Christmas celebration. Uh, lots of guests, lots of people coming. I want to thank you um, for everyone who served. It was a wonderful time. And I want to share with you a picture from yesterday that I really like. <laughs> and uh, I want to give it up to Pastor Zachs, who really outdid me in the Christmas sweater competition. Can we give it up for Zachs this morning? What an awesome, awesome sweater. Well done. Good in faith. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, friends, today we're continuing our sermon series, Journey of Redemption, where we're looking at the women who are in the genealogy of Jesus. And uh, last week, we heard from Eliza, who uh, gave us incredible insight on Tamar's story. Uh, and today, we're going to be looking at the story of Rahab. And I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I want to uh, rewind and give you some backstory on what's happened in the story of God so far. God had miraculously saved his people out of Egypt, and they were supposed to enter the promised land. Moses sent out 12 spies and to scout out the land, but on, only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, had the courage to enter the land. The other 10 spies said, this, this, this people are too strong, this is too dangerous. And they spread such a bad report that the people lost their courage, they lost faith, and they began saying, well, gosh, we should just go back to Egypt. And God was upset with that generation and punished them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And this is a warning for how our lack of courage, our lack of faith can actually affect the whole community of God. And because of this lack of faith, they wandered for 40 years. But now the 40 years have passed. The generation who, who failed in their faith, they have died, and a new generation has grown up and is about to enter the promised land. So Joshua chapter 1 begins with God telling Joshua to be strong and courageous. He keeps saying it, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. You're finally going to lead the people into the promised land. Chapter 2 begins with Joshua secretly sending spy, out two spies. Now, God had told Joshua over and over again that he's going to be successful. I'm going to be with you. But Joshua still sends out two spies. And we have to ask, well, is this due diligence on Joshua's part? Or is he seeking out some more confirmation that this is going to go well? Does he have the courage that God is calling him to have? And I find it interesting that Joshua only sends out two spies. It's almost as if he learned a lesson from last time. We're not doing that again. We don't need 10 people coming back with a bad report. I'm just going to send two and see if we can get a good report. So Joshua, I think, is hoping to get a report that encourages him, that gives him some sense of confirmation that this is going to be successful this time. So it says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sends out two spies, and they say, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Now, Jericho was known as the city of Palms, because it has a spring there. And I've been there, and to this day, if you go to Jericho, you'll see desert all around it, but out of nowhere, there are palm trees all over this place. It's, it's, it's literally an oasis in the desert. And so because of that, jo Jericho has been inhabited from like the beginning of time. Some of you archaeology people, you know that. There's, Jericho has always been inhabited. And it was, it was also a popular destination for travelers. 
Because in the ancient world, water was life. And Jericho had it. So it was a popular place. And its location also served as really the, ent- the eastern entrance into the promised land. So verse 3 says, The spies went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, why exactly the spies went to her house, we aren't told, and it's debated. But we can be sure the spies were hoping to remain hidden. We're told later that Rahab's house was located on the outside uh, wall of the city. So it was easy to get to. And most scholars think her house functioned as some, torp- some sort of hostel or tavern or brothel for travelers. So perhaps the spies thought going here would attract too much attention. But if staying hidden was their aim, we quickly, we quickly learn that their plan fails. The people of Jericho, they're aware the Israelites are close by. The Israelites are near. And we know from Rahab that they're afraid. And so the king has people tell, giving him information. He probably has some people on the lookout. Because it says this in verse 2, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So they know this is what they're up to. Then it says, verse 3, the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. Now, remember, this was a real situation with real people. These two Israelite men, they are in enemy territory. And their jig is up. They're discovered. I mean, they they are about to be in big trouble. Imagine if that was you, spying, hiding in Rahab's house. You hear the guards come to the door and they say, bring out the men who came to you. Your mind starts racing. What's going to happen to me? Will I, will I be jailed? Will I, will I be hurt? Am I going to make it out of here? Will I see my family again? What about the people? Is this whole mission now jeopardized? Have we failed again like the previous generation did? We have, and, we, and at this point in the story, we have no reason to think that someone who's an enemy, someone who lives in Jericho, is going to help out these two spies. But, and this should shock us, Rahab helps them. She helps them. In verse 4, we are told the women who had taken the two men and hidden them. And she says, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. And at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. Now, Rahab's house works as a good cover story. Men coming and going from Rahab's house was likely a common occurrence. And she uses that to her advantage. The men came, and they left. And then Rahab wisely makes it urgent. She says in verse 5, I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. So verse 7, the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate has shut. So the guy's looking for them. They're on the outside of the gate. That's good. But the men are still trapped inside. That's bad. <laughs> What's going to happen to them? And we ask, why, why has Rahab done this? Why has an enemy, why has someone from the other side taken such an incredible risk? 
One scholar says the mission of the spies was known to the enemy at the highest levels. It was treason against Jericho and its king to aid these men. I mean, this is like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, spying against the Nazis type stuff. This is something that gets you in trouble. If Rahab is discovered, if she is found out, she's a goner. She's a goner. So Rahab, someone that the Israel might have considered an enemy, she has risked her life for these Israelites. Why? Somehow, Rahab has become a believer in Yahweh. She's become a believer in the God of Israel. And her confession in these next verses, this is some of the most amazing theology. This is one of the most amazing confessions in the entire Bible. And one scholar says this is one of the the longest, one of the longest uh, monologues a woman has in the whole Bible. It's amazing. And she says, verse 9, I know, I know that the Lord has given you this land. She knows it. She believes this. This is a given fact. And then she says, has given. I mean, this is incredible. Nothing has changed so far. Jericho still has its walls. Jericho is still strong. There's still a king in charge. And she's like, God's already given you this land. It's a done deal to Rahab. It's amazing. And then she says, a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Why did the people fear Israel? No prophet, no preacher showed up to preach to them. But somehow word has spread through the grapevine. Perhaps through all those travelers passing to, to and from Jericho. Word has spread. They have heard about the miracles God has performed on behalf of Israel. She says in verse 10, We have heard how the Lord, Yahweh, dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came up out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Now, people in the ancient Near East, they attributed their military success to the gods. And the elements of nature also were viewed as under control of the gods, the various deities. So Rahab, she's heard that this god dried up this large sea. She's never heard of a god like that. And surely this, this defeat, this destruction of two neighboring peoples, people that neighbored the people of Jericho, this would strike terror into the Jerichoans. Rahab concludes, Yahweh is a powerful God. This is a God with true power. This is a God to be feared. I need to be on this God's side. She says in verse 11, When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above, and on earth below. Now, this is incredible. This confession is amazing. Don't lose sight of this. She says, I know your God is the real deal. And she says, Israel's God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And that means everything is under Yahweh's control and power. Any other deity or God that there might be, they're, they're, they are in submission to the God of heaven and earth. I mean, this is incredible. For a polytheist, a pagan polytheist who happens to be a prostitute, she gives one of the most amazing confessions in the entire Bible of who God is. For Rahab, faith came through hearing the message about God. 
I mean, it's kind of the same today. We hear about this creator God who has performed miracles on behalf of his people. At this time of year, we're remembering the miracle that God brought forth his son to the Virgin Mary to be our redeemer. We have heard that this God sent his son Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins. We have heard that he was raised from the dead. We have heard that he ascended into heaven and his apostles saw it and they were commissioned to go preach this word. Our faith came by hearing the message, the good news of Jesus. And Rahab has heard a message as well. She knows that Yahweh is God, that somehow she believes in her heart that that these, these stories are true. These miracles were real. And now she knows that what happened to the people next door, Sihon and Og, the, the Amorites, that's about to happen to Jericho as well. Jericho is about to be destroyed, and she knows it. So she pleads for her salvation. She says in verse 12, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. The word kindness there is that great Hebrew word hesed, the loving kindness of God, the covenant loyalty and faithfulness of God to his people. Rahab says, show hesed, show faithfulness, show loyalty to my family because I have shown hesed to you. And surely Rahab has. She has risked everything. She has risked her entire life to save these two spies. So she says, she says, give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my mother and father, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. Rahab is so sure of this coming judgment She wants to make sure her whole family is saved. She wants to make sure she brings her whole family along if she can help it. If there's something she can do, she's making sure that all of them come with her. And oh, that we would have the same faith. That we know where this world is headed. That Jesus is coming back in judgment. And that we would do everything we can to make sure our family and friends, those we love, those we know, would come along with us and be saved. And the men, they tell her how her family can be saved as well. In verse 17, the men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us, unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads, and we will not be responsible." As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now, I I don't know if this is intentional or not, but it reminds me of the Passover. Get everyone in this house Everyone under this house, the judgment of death will be passed over and you will be saved. This is an incredible lesson, incredible story with many things that we can glean from this. Um, But today our Advent candle focuses on the concept of peace, God's shalom, the the way that God intended 
for things to be. So let me just say a few words about peace as it relates to this story. And the first is this. Peace will not be found by taking refuge in this world. It's not going to be found by taking refuge in this world. By faith, Rahab realized she had to be saved out of Jericho. Jericho was about to be destroyed. And no one else realized it. Now, remember I said Jericho is the city of palms. It was an oasis in the desert. You could settle down there. You could build your homes into its walls. You could feel secure by its great military defenses. Everyone was comfortable in a city that was about to be destroyed. In Advent, we remember that Jesus is coming again to make all things right. And part of that will mean that his judgment will be against all that is wicked and ungodly. In Second Peter, we are told the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. If the people of Jericho knew that in just a week or so's time, this whole thing was about to be destroyed, wouldn't they have acted more like Rahab? Wouldn't they have said, we have to make a deal with this God? We have to find our salvation with this God. We know We've been told by Jesus that he's coming again to judge this world. We know that. He has told us that. He has promised that. So why do we often live as if it were not so? I mean, it's easy to see that this world is broken. It's, it's under the judgment of God. It, it needs to be made right. It will be destroyed and then it will be restored and renewed with the new heavens and the new earth. If that's what's coming, why do we live like Jericho is going to go on forever? Why do we try to find our peace, our security in the temporary things of this world? In money or possessions or sexuality or the pleasures of this world? It's all so fleeting. It all will pass and it will end. So true peace can't be found by taking refuge in this world. And many people in our culture, we need, we need constant reminders of this because the palms of Jericho, the great things of Jericho, keep us comfortable. But on the other hand, those who are on the margins, they already know that peace is not found in this world. They already know that. They know it within their bones because like Rahab, they have been abused or misused or enslaved and traumatized and treated like an object of scorn. And they wonder, will I ever find peace. I do believe measures of peace are found in Jesus even now in this broken world, but I think there is even better news. A new world is coming. A new world is coming. The wrongs and injustices done to you will be punished by God, and you and this whole world will be restored and renewed in ways that you cannot even imagine right now. You can't even fathom it. But it's coming. As surely as the sun came up this morning, God will renew this world. So peace will not be found by seeking refuge in this world, but that leads me to number two, that really peace is found by seeking refuge in God alone. Peace is found by seeking refuge in God alone. This is what Rahab does. She completely transfers her allegiance to God. She risks her life and that of her whole family on the faith that Yahweh is the Lord of heaven 
and on earth. She chose to serve Yahweh rather than the gods of her people, rather than the king of Jericho. And she is actually, I think, the prime example of what Joshua will call the people of God to do famously in the last chapter of this book when Joshua says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what Rahab did. She chose her and her household, we will serve the Lord. We will choose the Lord. He will be our God. And this is why Rahab is considered a hero. Did you know Rahab's a hero? She's considered a hero in the New Testament. She's not remembered for her past or her status. She's remembered for her faith. In fact, James puts her on the same level as Abraham, the father of the faith. He he puts them together as, as two examples of faith and action. He says this in the book of James. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. No, Rahab, she did not just intellectually believe in Yahweh. That's no good. She showed hospitality to his people, and she risked her life to save those spies. This is such an amazing act of faith that Rahab is the last named person in that famous Hebrews Hall of Faith. Remember in Hebrews 11? Where the writer names all these people, Abraham and Moses and all, all and on. Rahab's the last named person. It says this, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, she was not killed with those who were disobedient. And then the writer goes on and on. But you could say that Rahab is actually the climax of the hall of faith. She is the representative. She risked her life to put her faith in God. Dale Ralph, Dale Ralph Davis sums this point up. He says, genuine faith never rests content with being convinced of the reality of God, but presses on to take refuge in God. Rahab not only must know the clear truth about God, but must also escape the coming wrath of God. It isn't just a matter of correct belief, but of desperate need. She knows her need, and she pursues salvation. Which leads me to my last point I want to make about this, is that we pursue peace with courageous faith. We pursue the peace that God has for us by courageous faith. That's what Rahab did. And because of that, she was saved from death. But not only that, her life was filled with peace, that shalom, the the flourishing that God intends. See, Rahab eventually leaves her former life and she becomes part of God's people. She eventually settles down and marries. She marries a man named Salmon. We read in the genealogy last week and she has a family. She went from someone who was outside the kingdom of God, considered an enemy. Now she's become a believer in Yahweh, and she becomes the mother of Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, who is the ancestor of Jesus, the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? You see, when we take courageous action to join our story with God's story, We are caught up in God's grand story of redemption. We are caught up in the shalom that he is bringing into this world. And I think it's amazing that also Rahab's courage, her courageous faith, 
also becomes the means by which Joshua is going to get the encouragement he needs. This is amazing. The story ends in verse 24. It says, The spies eventually return, and they go to Joshua, and they basically they quote Rahab. They said to a Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Rahab, Rahab's words are the confirmation Joshua is looking for. And I find it really interesting that the spies only speak to Joshua. That's kind of strange, right? Like they don't tell anybody else, they don't tell any other leader. And then Joshua doesn't even go to the rest of the people and report what they said. This seems, on the face of it, that this is a private meeting between these two spies and Joshua. See, chapter 1's main focus was, again, Joshua needs lots of encouragement. Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Chapter 2 ends with this encouraging report from Rahab. We have to ask, of all people, why does Joshua need this confirmation? Why does jo- of all people, why does Joshua need this encouragement? Remember 40 years ago, him and Caleb were the only ones. Let's go into the land. We can do it. We have the courage. How, how come Joshua is the one that needs this courage? Well, that courageous moment, that was 40 years ago. A lot of life has happened for Joshua. He's wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Back then, Joshua was a young man. I imagine full of passion, full of vision, full of excitement. He was Moses' mentee. He wanted to make Moses proud, I bet. But life teaches us that things usually don't go according to our grand plan and our grandiose visions. We end up making mistakes. Things happen to us that are beyond our control. I mean, that's what happened to Joshua. He was subject to the lack of faith of his peers. Even though he had the faith, he had to wander in the wilderness because everybody else was afraid. We are often subject to the consequences of others and the effects of actions they have on us. Joshua's peers, they all rebelled against God. And now, Moses is gone. His leader, his hero. His hero in the faith is dead. And it seems to me that the courage Joshua once had over time has waned. Perhaps he's not as courageous as he used to be. And I think this may be a word for some of you here. You're in the same boat as Joshua. There was a time, there was a season in your life where you were once full of vision, you were full of courage, you were once on fire for God, you were once the voice of courageous action and faith. Over time, life has been hard. You've seen many of your peers, many of your friends walk away from God or walk away from the church. They've given up on it altogether. And some of your heroes in the faith, they've gone on to be with the Lord. Whether it's your parents, whether it was a mentor, whether it was a pastor, they're not here anymore. But God has yet a mission for you. God has mission work for you to do. Even so, you are called to help the next generation enter the promised land, to stay faithful to God, to overcome the enemy's schemes. But the reality is, it's scary out there. It's scary out there. What if we fail? The challenges of today are different than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. We have different battles to fight and things to overcome. And you're not sure that you can go on. 
But maybe today you can hear the voice of God saying to you what he said to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Whether you are old, whether you are younger, don't let go of your courage. Don't let go of your courage. God wants you to be courageous. Be strong. Be courageous. Stay in the fight. Help the next generation with the battles ahead. Because God is with you still. God is on your side. God will never leave you. Be that voice of courageous action to propel others around you. So may God give us the courage of Rahab to leave the comfort, the false promises of Jericho, to escape the judgment of this corrupt world and to live for the new world that God is yet bringing forth. May we have the faith of Rahab to live for the new heavens and the new earth that Jesus is bringing in. Can we do that, friends? Let's pray.